0: Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. We are uh, continuing in our series today, we're, we're what we've called Ship Shape. Uh, and as, as we've said several times, it's kind of a, a cheesy, hopefully memorable way to think of the, the ways that God has a, a plan for our church to be, have a God-honoring, effective ministry. Basically, what are the ships that should be in shape here at Calvary, and what do those look like? And so we've, we've been uh, focusing on several of those. First one, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the foundational ship of them all is what we find that, where he says, and they devoted themselves to this first church. The fellowship, and it wasn't the fellowshipping necessarily, it wasn't the act of fellowshipping that they were devoted to, it was, it was this local gathering, it was this fellowship, it was the partnership of the people together. They were devoted to that assembly, and, and it very, very similar, that was the assembly of Jerusalem. We have the assembly of Taylorville. It's the idea of being devoted to whatever that, that, that place, that fellowship that God has, has gathered you, you into. That was our first week. Last Sunday, we talked about discipleship. We talked about the the importance of of each of us doing and growing as God has called us. And with that, we considered two different kinds of ships, right? Which is the church, a cruise ship? You're there for your comfort. You're there because I I need to be served and I want to be entertained. Am I there as a a, a spectator cruise ship or are we an aircraft carrier? The sense of the ship's purpose is based on the mission of the people, the mission of the pilots, and the fact that we are each disciples who should be making disciples. And so we are a, we are at a, in a war of for the souls of mankind, and God has put us in this place to, to not only stay here, but to get out of here and to share the gospel and his word with those around. So that was discipleship. So today, all hands on deck, and the question is, or the, the word is stewardship. That's the word we're going to talk about today, and that's not a Overly familiar term, but it's not an an, an unusual term necessarily. It's sometimes it's considered a churchy term. In fact, I, I got a quick kind of a cheesy video just to give you an idea of what we're talking about with stewardship. Watch the screen for just a second. Stewardship.
1: It's kind of a churchy word, but what does it mean? This is stewardship plain and simple. Meet John. He loves to play golf, eat Italian, and go to the movies. He has a house, a car and a job that pays the bills. In his free time, he catches up on the latest game and he plays his guitar. So here's where stewardship comes in. Everything John has, from his TV, to his car, to even his ability to play guitar, well, none of it actually belongs to him. Are you ready for this? From the little things, all the way to the big stuff, like his house, it all belongs to God. You're a steward of everything God gave you. It's a privilege and he expects you to be responsible, not just with your finances, but your time, talents, and toys. So what does it mean to be responsible? Well, like hosting a Bible study at your house or using your free time to visit someone in the hospital, or how about giving money to an out-of-work friend? It's all stewardship. So when it's time to give back, Say the plate gets passed or the children's minister asks you to serve in the toddler's room again, think to yourself this one simple question, does what I have belong to me or God?
0: All right, that gives you an idea, kind of a thumbnail of what stewardship is all about. Here's our key verse for today. First Peter, chapter number four, verse number 10, that the apostle Peter writes these words, each of you. Should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So you can circle that word stewards. That's the word we're going to be focusing on today. Uh, Faithful stewards. We're talking about stewardship and what that looks like. We're going to dive a little deeper. We're going to try to unpack some of what you saw in the video and what these verses are telling us as we talk about what true stewardship is and how that should affect our lives. Let me start. It, It is kind of maybe a churchy term perhaps, but let's start with a definition. Definition simple of a steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. One who administers anything as the agent of another or others. Uh, the, the word, the key word is manages. The, word, the idea steward is a synonym, could be manager. It's someone who takes and manages the property, the finances, the stuff of, of someone else. Several years ago, I read this quote. I thought it was very powerful. You'll see it on the screen. Uh, Bill Swanson said, good stewardship is a part of everything we do, everyone we interact with, And everything we stand for. All right? Now, preachers will go, amen, that's good, that's a great preaching point right there, wouldn't you say? But here's the kicker: that guy's not a preacher. Bill Swanson, you may not recognize the name, but at the time this was written, Bill Swanson was the CEO of Raytheon. And they had what they call every year their stewardship. That's, that's, their, that's what they call it, their stewardship report. And in that report, he made this about Raytheon, the, 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 the conglomerate company. As you look, you'll find that word used in different of these still in major corporations today. If you'll Google it, 2019, they'll have their stewardship report, things like Vanguard and, and uh, BlackRock Financials. And, and that's interesting because by definition, what are they? They are managers of somebody else's money. They're stewards. That's what they are. That's what the idea means. It's someone who manages something that belongs to somebody else. So when we're talking about the Christians and who we are and what we do, here's what we know from the scriptures. And here's the next next thought I want you to get. Stewardship is all that we do with all that we have all of the time. That's what stewardship boils down to as believers. All that we have, all that we do with all that we have, all of the time. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, here's another name he has for you you are a steward, you are a manager. You you're a follower of Christ, you're also a manager. The new life that you have in Christ now, that's all that you do, all that you have, all of the time, that's part of what God has called you to do as a to manage this for Him. One last quote that I want to give at this point. I thought was very powerful this week. Christian stewardship is everything we do after we say, I believe. You say, I'm a follower of Christ. I believe in Jesus. He saved me. From that point on, everything, that, a part of your life is an act of stewardship, is what you're doing with your stewardship. The question I'm going to ask repeatedly today is, am I a good steward? Am I a good manager of what God has given to me? As we look through this, this kind of trying to understand stewardship a little bit, I'm going to give you three more ship words today that kind of help us understand this idea and the the, the principle of stewardship. Here's the first one, ownership. The question is, who does this belong to? Now, if you've been here the last couple weeks, we've used this word ownership in a different meaning, a different way. When we talked about that opening verse, they devoted themselves to the fellowship, and we talked about how ownership in that sense is when I'm all in, when I'm vested, when I'm, this is, I'm going to commit to this, I'm, I'm responsible for this, I'm taking, and, and that's related to what we're talking about, but that's, the phrase that we use is, I, I'm going to own this, I'm going I'm, to, I'm, I'm all in with this thing, okay, that's one idea of, of ownership, but here's what we understand, one thing we've got to understand about stewardship, in fact, the basic principle of stewardship boils down to this, you actually own nothing, Nothing that you have, believer, belongs to you personally. Everything that you have or you claim to have really doesn't belong to you. I I know I'm not talking about your mortgage or your car. I know that you and the bank own those things. I get that. But even if you were completely debt free, do you realize you don't own it? You own nothing based on this law of stewardship. This law of ownership is who does it belong to? Well, it doesn't belong to you. Now, our, our verse, we go back to 1 Peter 4 and verse 10. Whatever gift you have received, so that means someone is giving you something, and that's the, the point. This all comes from God himself. Now, there's been some people that kind of, they kind of fudge on that word gift a little bit. They say, well, see, that's, if God has given you a gift, then the law of possession says if he gave it to you, then it belongs to you. So in essence, if God's asking me to do something with my gift that I don't want to do, and he takes it away or moves it, then, then it's kind of like God's stealing from us. Wait a second. You're missing the whole point here. What, what God is saying is what he has given to you, what you have received from him, belongs to him, and it will forever belong to him. You, are given to, you are, is given to you to manage it. It's not to own it. In fact, if you continue that verse, he goes on to say uh, that all that we have received of God's grace in its various forms. That word gift and the word grace are basically the same word in the Greek language. They both have the same idea. They come from the same root. It's the idea of a gift is a gift of God's grace. It is something given to you. It's Essentially what it is, it's given to you to help you to do what he wants you to do. You could use the word resource. It becomes something God resources you with. It's not God surrendering his ownership of this stuff and saying, okay, now this is yours. He's saying, I'm giving this to you because I want you to use it for me. You're a manager of what I'm giving to you. It's it's a tool that he used. Let me give you just a picture. Here's something that a, a friend of mine gave a few years ago as we moved into our house. This is, for those of you, this is a tool bag. Some of you have some. You'll also notice that mine is, is uh, quite pristine. <laughs> I don't use it a whole lot, okay? In fact, I have tools in here I still haven't figured out how to use, okay? Uh, this is not my bag. So maybe this will make more sense to some of you because this one hits me. I carry this everywhere I go, pretty much, all right? In this, I, I can understand, uh, well, for some things, I understand what this does. I've got pens and pencils. I've got books. You understand? Here, here's what I'm saying whether you're into that or whether you have a doctor's bag or whatever it is that you do on a regular basis, you have resources, you have tools. Those things are used to help you do the job that you're supposed to do. Does that make sense? Here's what God is saying I have given you gifts, I've given you a bag of resources. To do what I have called you to do. And everything that you have is a part of God's gift to you to resource you, for you to manage it, to do what he has made you to do. Ownership is key in this idea of of stewardship. Here's the problem. We forget who owns the stuff. We start taking ownership of these things. My time, my, my abilities, my money, my my car, my house, my family, my entertainment, whatever, we, we, this is mine. And we start, we start holding on to it as if it belongs to us. These are my things, and I can use them the way that I see fit. And we're forgetting the key law of stewardship is it doesn't belong to you. And for me, even to say that, some of you will immediately go, we're going back to being legalists again. It's nothing about that. It's the truth. This is not mine, and it could go away in a second. And i got to be okay with that, because it doesn't belong to me. All the stuff that I have, if God were to choose to say, tomorrow you're not going to have that, I have to be okay with that. Why? Because it didn't belong to me in the first place. I'm a manager. I'm not an owner of all the things that I possess and that I, I say that I use. We have people who would make that sentence, and the psalmist would tell us this. Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. Everything, everyone, everything means everything, belongs to God. Creator, originator, it's all in his possession. C.S. Lewis wrote this. I, I love this quote. I had a few quotes in this today that I thought were very powerful. He said, every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. You're not giving God anything because it already already belongs to him. And what you have is not yours to own. It's what God has given. It's ownership. Here's a second word we'll talk about that helps us understand it's not ownership but leadership. Question being, who's calling the shots? Here's what we got to remember. Since God's the ultimate owner of everything... Then he has the ultimate final say in everything, how it's used, where it's used. Here's the word that 1 Peter talks about. He says he calls us, that word again, as faithful stewards of God's grace, as faithful managers. He makes it very clear who we are. We're simply managers of God's resources, and so we get that. Okay, this is God's, and there's some things that we're glad to let him have back, right? God did. I don't like that one anyway. You can have it. Some things we're, but here's the point. Do you understand that since all of it belongs to him, then he has the prerogative. He has the right, we would say, to do whatever he wants to with it and to ask it of you of anything that he has given you. Who's calling the shots? Who do you, what do you do with your stuff? And your t- well, first you need to ask the owner, what would you like me to do? Because I'm not the, since it doesn't belong to me, I, I have to make sure that I do what the owner wants me to do with it. First Corinthians says, now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Here's the key. You're talking through this whole thing of being a, a good steward. The word that he uses and what God talks about is he doesn't talk about you doing, you know, having the biggest or the you know the, the, the fanciest or the his word is always this: be faithful, be consistent. Here's what I've given you, manage it well. Be faithful in that. Because here's what you have gotta understand, believers. We will, as stewards, ultimately be held accountable for what God has given us to manage. It's not like, okay, here's my management, and then I just wash my. At some point, God's gonna to say to us, how, how did you talk to, how did you manage the things that, that I gave you? That's critical. Here's what, here's what I know to be true from the scriptures. Every one of us in this room, one day you will stand face-to-face before Almighty God. There, will be, there is an appointment that you'll not miss, standing face-to-face before God. And, and I don't know, and, and this, is just, you know, this is just a picture, I don't know what all that first meeting's going to be like, but I know in essence there's going to be a, a couple of things God's going to want you to respond to. Number one would be this, what did you do with my son? My son gave his life for you, did you receive his gift? Did you repent of your sins and follow? My son gave it all for you. Did you receive his gift of eternal life? That's going to be the most important question you'll ever answer in your life. Did I, have I, am I personally a follower of Jesus Christ? But for those of you who are, who would answer, I received Jesus, here's the second question I think is going to be in some form or fashion. Okay, so what did you do with what I gave you? From that point on, you're a steward. What did you do with that? How did you manage it? What did you do with the resources I gave for my glory? Okay, ownership, leadership. Number three, workmanship. How does God do the work that He's called to do? How does He choose to do this? The obvious question it, it sometimes comes to my mind why, why would God choose to use me? What was God thinking when he, when he tapped me on the shoulder and said, I want you to do this? And I'm looking at some of you going, I don't got, why did He choose you? I, nothing personal, but really, we don't have a whole lot to offer an almighty God. Here's the thing we got to remember God doesn't need us, but God has chosen us to do his work. And in fact, that's the way he's chosen to do his work is through us. For whatever the Almighty God, his mind, is the work that I have here on earth, I'm going to do through human instruments. I, I'm going to do, I'm going to use my people to do my work. That's why this verse says each of you should use whatever gift. You have received look at that verse again each of you that's a that's a one to circle because understand everyone in this room your disciple each of you is also a steward each of you is also a a manager stewardship is a part of the discipleship process it's learning how to manage and growing in your management of what god has given you there's no exemptions There's no one left out when God passed the gift truck around. You can't say, oh, I don't have anything to offer. No, not true. God says each one of you has something he's given you, each one of us. And he talks about the whatever gift. And so this gift, remember, we we often use the term gift because God offers us a gift of salvation. That's called the gift of eternal life, right? This isn't talking about the gift of eternal life. He's talking about those who already have the gift of eternal life now have, as we've talked about, these resources, these, uh, these abilities. You have been gifted by God. In fact, the NLT says it this way, the gift from God's great variety of spiritual gifts. God has given you a gift out of his bag of gifts. He's given you something that is unique to you. He's made you uniquely to serve him to do something. And that's where Ephesians comes in. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 talks about our salvation, the gift of God's grace is not by our works, it's only by God's grace. But then he talks about once you've received that, verse number 10 says, For we, those who have received God's salvation, we are his, look at the word, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Workmanship, great word. Your translation may say you're God's handiwork. One translation actually says you're God's masterpiece. So that's a great picture. You are a master. God has formed you individually perfectly the way he wanted you to be. The the Greek word is actually the word we get our word poem from. It's like a work of art. That's you. As a follower of Christ, he has designed you as a work of art, a masterpiece, a workmanship. Here's what we're talking about when it comes to stewardship. You were made to do this. You have been created with a purpose. And as God's person, you have been recreated in Christ now as his masterpiece. That means there's a job, there's something he has for you to do. But don't miss the end of that verse, 1 Peter 4.10. Use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Your gift is not a gift for you to hoard or for, you, for your benefit. It's for the benefit of, of others. God calls you to serve him by serving others. He has made you, and he he will equip you to do what he's called you to do. He's given you the gifts. He's made you a workmanship. He's created you, and now he'll gift you. He'll he'll fill you the resources to do what he's called you to do to serve others. In fact, the very next verse, Peter goes on to say, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. When you speak for God, speak as though you're speaking God's words. When you serve, serve with God's strength. And he goes on to say, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. God says, I've made you and I equip you to bring glory to me by doing what I've made you and equipped you to do. So that when everything's said and done, the praise goes to God because you did what God made you and equipped you to do. That's what stewardship is. You've been made a, work, you've been made a masterpiece, and you've been equipped with whatever God needs you so that ultimately he receives the glory. Stewardship. Managers who, managers who understand ownership, leadership, workmanship, to faithfully do what God has called. So am I faithfully currently being a good steward? That's our question. Am I being currently a good manager of all God has given to me? There's a lot of ways. You saw it on the opening video. There, everything about our life is stewardship. I want to take the next couple of minutes and I want to talk about two specific areas that are very relevant to who we are as a church stewardship of two big areas. Number one, stewardship of money. When it comes to our finances, money's a sticky topic. We're always taught you don't talk about religion, politics, or money, right? Well, I've already hit two of them, so we're going to go, you know, why don't we go for a trifecta, and I'll just mention Trump, okay? That way you get it all out there, okay? So now I've talked about all three things. Here's what i want to talk about. Money is important to God. In fact, money is mentioned more in the Scriptures than heaven, hell. It's used more than most of the, the major topics we talk about. Money is, and why is that? Why would God spend... So much critical words in his word to talk about money. Well, I think Matthew chapter 6 gives us a reason for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There is a divine connection between your wallet and your heart. And what you do with your money reflects on that heart relationship. Where your treasure is, your heart is right there as well. He goes on to say, No one can serve two masters. Verse 24. Either hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money is a reflection of our hearts, it's a reflection of our devotion, and it's a reflection on who is in control of our lives. Is it what we want? Is it our finances? Or is it the God who gave us those finances? All of that comes down to the idea of money. And just in case you forgot this whole idea of ownership, let's make sure we understand about money. He said, well, I earn it. I go and I work hard. That's, that's my money, and I'm going to spend it now. Whatever you want to say. But God reminded his people something very powerful. Deuteronomy chapter 8, he told his people as they were coming into wealth, he said, you may say to yourself, my power and strength has produced this wealth for me, But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Never forget that you're not breathing to go to work tomorrow unless God gives you that breath. You don't have those abilities to do what you do to bring home your bacon unless God gives it to you. It all, even the resources come from God. Let me give you two thoughts about money. I, I just want to briefly, just biblically, what we talk about. Money is is a tool. Sometimes what we, we sadly we, we get we get kind of messed up in this. Money is meant to be used, and people are meant to be loved. Sometimes it's money and stuff that we love, and we end up using people. Right? First Timothy chapter six, powerful verse: the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money itself is not evil, but the love of it, the passion for it, the desire for it can cause all kinds of, of trouble. And so as Paul's talking to his friend Timothy, he goes on to talk about those who, who have money, and he calls them rich. And some, some of you say, well, that doesn't include me. Then I'm not rich. Uh, it, but by, by standards of the world, every one of us in this room is rich. So it's a relative term. It just means you have money at your disposal. Listen to these, ca- these cautions. Verse 17, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, Not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. All it takes is a little market crash and everything goes, right? It's unreliable. You can't trust it. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. And then verse 18, money's a tool because he says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. You have money not so that you can have more money, not so that you can say I have money. Not so that you can, your money is a gift from God. Nothing wrong with being rich. It's what you're going to do with that money. It's a tool God has given you to do something with. That, whatever that looks like, that, it looks different for all of us, but your money is meant to be something God. It's a resource that God wants us to use for somehow to bring glory to him. Money is a tool. Money is also a test. How are you going to handle your money? It's where your heart is, so how are you going to handle it? How are you going to take care of it? Are you going to trust God when the supply seems a little low, or when He's asking you to give something, you say, "I don't think I can," because it, what, what are you going to? It, it's a tr- it's a test. Luke sixteen eleven, and you'll notice that something for me at the end of this verse. But he says, "If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with real riches?" If you can't take care of your money, why would God give you something else to, in his kingdom to take to take care of? And then he, he ends with that same phrase: no one can serve two masters. Your loyalty, your devotion comes down to I, it's a test. What are you gonna love your money? Are you gonna trust your money? Are you gonna trust God? You say, Well, I can't because my money. What are you gonna- Who are you trusting? Who are you going after? In fact, I think it's interesting, the only time we're ever, ever encouraged to test God in anything has to do with our money malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10 he said bring all the tithe into the storehouse with every food in my house test me in this says the lord god almighty and see if i'll not open up the floodgates he said listen do you trust me 10 percent top right off the do you trust me top, uh, right t- You say i don't i can't do, do you trust me he said test me money is a tool but money is also a, a test in fact, Proverbs 3.9, the, the writer says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of all your increase. Firstfruits is a big word. It means not the leftovers. It's not if you have enough left at the end. It's God, I'm going to honor you first. I'm going to trust you with the rest. Do we trust God? It's a test. What are we going to do with our money? Do we trust him? So, so are we being a good steward with our finances? Are we learning and growing and handling money? Is your debt so out of control that, you, that you, this just, you're swimming in it? Then, then you need to grow. You need to help. Part of your stewardship is learning how to bring that to a place where you're, you're living within your means and you're living the way God is. That's handling your money correctly. Or maybe it's giving to someone that, that needs and, and God puts it. Are you willing? Are you giving? And I believe the Bible gives us such a precedent for that. Just even the starting point being that top 10%. Are you willing to say, God, I trust you with that? How are we doing in our stewardship of our money? Stewardship of money, stewardship today of ministry will be our second one. We go back to our verse again. As each one has received a gift, this version says, minister it to one another as good stewards. God has called us as as ministers. Use your gift to serve others. Some of you in this room, I know, will say, you know, well, pastor, that's your, you are a minister. You're, You're a Josh is a mini- the preacher down the street. You're ministers, uh, yes, true. But let me point out some. The scripture makes very clear: each one of you has received a gift, so each one of you is a minister. Every disciple is a minister. Every disciple has the stewardship of the ministry God has given us. Every believer has been called into ministry. Here's how Paul described it, Romans chapter number 12. He talks about this picture of the body, and we've looked at this before, but in the body, every, there's many members, all, you have your, all the parts, and they, they don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So we all different, we're all different members, we all have different places to, to go, but now look at the, the next phrase he goes on to say, and we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Very much like Peter said, according to great, you, have different gifts. You have different abilities. You have different resources. You're a part of the body. You're there on purpose. You're a part of this fellowship. God has a reason for your existence in this place. He says you have different gifts, and so then he goes on to say, so if your gift is prophesying, what should you do? Prophesy. If you have the if you have the gift of faith, or, or in, you have the gift of serving. Excuse me. What do you do? You serve. If you have the gift of teaching, what should you do with it? Teach. Does it make sense? Is anybody not catching what you do? God says, I've made you, I've equipped you, and if I have, then do it. You are accountable for your ministry of what God has called you to do. And, and you really can't look back and say, well, I, I never found it. I don't know what it is. No one ever helped me. Hold on a second. That's, the church is here to help you. But ultimately, you're going to be held accountable. You're not going to be able to look and say, well, the pastor didn't give me the right ministry. Ministry Fair guy never called me back. I never found out what I was supposed to do. God's gonna say, wait a second, Pastor didn't give you that gift, I did. Pastor didn't form you into a masterpiece, I did. You're gonna be held accountable for how you minister the way God has equipped you and made you to serve. If you have it, then then use it. Whatever your gift is, take it out of the bag and use it. Take it out of the box, get involved. Take it out the take it out and, and do what God has called you couple of big points, and we'll be wrapping up. Number one is this. The body needs my ministry. The fellowship, the church. You are here on purpose, so the body, there's a reason why. Does God need us? Absolutely not. But he has made it so that the the body only functions as its parts are doing their job. So the body needs you to do your ministry. That goes back to our foundational ship of the whole body being devoted to the fellowship, Acts 242. It's, it's saying I'm in, I'm not just fellowshipping, I am devoted to doing what God has called me to do here. There is a reason. Here's how he put it in Ephesians chapter 4. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The body needs you. Calvary will never be what God is, all that God will, can make it to be unless all of its members are doing their ministry. I don't know how to make that any clearer. But if you're sitting on the sidelines not ministering, do you understand? The body is not functioning at 100%. We're not hitting on eight cylinders because somebody in the body, is. You, you, it's not about a guilt thing. It's about God's put you here for a reason. He, the body needs you to serve as God has called you to serve. But what's interesting about this is not only does God put you in the body, so now the body—it's ne- your part—is necessary. But He's also divined the body, and number two is be- the body strengthens me through ministry. As you go back to that verse, the body grows and builds. Do you understand? There is a symbiotic relationship here that God has said you serve, and it helps the body. But as you serve, the body is helping you. And it's strengthening you, and you're going stronger. For a person to, to, to come to church and to get burned out in ministry is such a sad thing because that's not the way, it, somehow, somewhere along the line, something got mixed up because God says, you serve me with your gifts the way I've called you, and it will actually make you stronger, build you up as a believer. And so without it, your your life, your spiritual life will never be what it could be because God says part of that strength comes from you serving alongside your brothers and sisters, and you strengthen one another within the body. That's what this ministry fair thing's all about, folks. It's just offering you a picture of maybe I could, maybe this is something that God. Would, I'm here for a reason. And if and, and let me encourage you, if I have encouraged these ministry leaders when they get a card to call you immediately, call you this week, make sure. But sometimes you get lost in the shuffle. It happens. Here's what I want to encourage you. Nobody calls you, call them. It's your ministry. It's what God has called you to do. We're, we're human, so we may miss it. But if this is what God has called you to do, then follow up. Say, hey, I, you know, I bet you got busy this week, Shelly, but uh, what? I'd really like to serve in worship arts. What do I need to do? Does that make sense? It's very simple. It's your ministry. You're going to be held accountable for what God has called you to do. Let me just wrap this up. Stewardship. One more time, our verse. Each of us should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards. That's our point. We are stewards. We are managers. God is in control. We've been made for this. Each one of us has a gift to be used. One other quote I thought was good this week. Biblical stewardship recognizes That God's resources are to be deployed through God's people to accomplish God's mission. That's where it comes down to. The reason you have what you have, the reason you're a part of the family you're a part of, because God has a work there and he's put that together. Now we do what God has called us to do and God does his work through us. And ultimately, when we're held accountable, this is the words we're looking for. Well done. Good and faithful servant good and faithful steward you did what i called you to do with the resources i gave you to the best of your ability good job that's what we that's what we stand before our god that's what we're looking for as i wrap it up i take you back to the two questions we asked earlier and i believe you can answer them now makes a big difference what are you doing with god's son Have you recognized that as a sinner you you cannot come to God but Jesus made a way through his death on the cross, his burial and resurrection to give you forgiveness, give you eternal life? Have, Have you accepted that gift? Have you received the gift of Jesus and said I'm a sinner, I repent and you begin to follow him? When did that happen in your life? What have you done with the son, Jesus Christ? And number two, if you know Christ as your savior, what are you currently doing with the things God has given you? What are you currently, are you being a faithful steward of how God has made you and how he's equipped